Hello, everybody, and welcome to the newest episode of the Journey Podcast. It's been a little while since uh, we've done a recorded episode because we've been doing a lot of live episodes. It's been a lot of fun, and unfortunately, I have to apologize a little bit for um, the lack of episodes on the YouTube Live uh, because of the tornadoes (laughs) in Little Rock. Um, I guess I should have thought of that when I decided to move to Arkansas, but um, that's the world we live in. And uh, yeah, so we're a little bit behind schedule. And uh, of course, when things get a little bit behind schedule, I decide to go off the books in terms of what the schedule is on top of that. But I think it's uh, worth it because I had uh, a little bit of a cool opportunity this past weekend, I shot a tournament at Rocky Creek Outdoors. It's called the Arklatex Open, um, and I, I it was just a lot. I had a lot of students that were there. I shot with a squad full of uh, students, and I I had a lot of people coming up to me, talking to me about things, asking me questions, and I had a lot of uh, cool observations uh, that I don't normally get to be in the middle of in bigger tournaments. And it brought up some interesting things that I think really uh, coincide with the topic of where everything is going for the Journey podcast right now. And so I figured might as well just take the opportunity to do an episode on them. Um, on top of that, I have a really unique opportunity. Well, honestly, it's not really that unique. It happens a lot. <laughs> but um, uh, a good friend of mine, student of mine for a little while... Um, and the guy I shoot with a lot is in town because he came to the Arklatex Open, and so I just asked him if he would be willing to come to my house and record an episode and be the first guest on the Journey podcast. A lot of you guys already know uh, him once he gets introduced because he participates in the YouTube Lives a lot and everything, but um, I thought it would be kind of interesting to give a different perspective on everything instead of just me regurgitating information and getting really deep into conversation about things in an educational sense. I wanted to kind of bring a third-person perspective um, in, in a couple of categories. One, a third-person's perspective of some of the things that I do while I'm shooting, uh, and then also a third-person's perspective in terms of their understanding and explanation of things that I talk about in the podcast a lot because sometimes it's just really helpful to hear from another uh, point of view the same topic of information. So that's kind of what I wanted to do here. Um, and I'm, I've am i split this episode into two parts because what I want to do is um, uh, release two different episodes uh, with slightly different topics, and uh, I don't, I don't want to give away what I'm going to be doing, but just know that this week is going to have a, basically like a bonus episode coming out, um, multiple different recorded episodes on top of the YouTube lives. So that's the way that it's going to go. Um, that's the structure of it because this is a conversational thing and not a, a pre-plan. Well, it is pre-planned in terms of topics, but it, because it wasn't a, a presented. Um, like uh, speech, so to speak. Um, uh, the, I don't need to. I'm not gonna have timestamps on this episode. So it's just gonna be conversationally. It's a lot easier to follow. Lot less um, 
punches per second in terms of the information that you want to try to remember, which is nice because it's conversational flow to it and easy to follow along. So that's all that that is. Um, I do want to make one announcement before I get into the fun conversation that I had um, with my friend. And that is that very shortly, I'm going to be releasing the first like fundraising event for the Journey Podcast, uh, where we're going to be trying to do some things to raise some money to invest into the podcast because some of the things I really want to do cost a insane amount of money that uh, as a professional shooting instructor, I just don't have <laughs> to be able to blow on a podcast that makes me no money. So um, it's going to be a cool little sweepstakes fundraising event. Literally, if you don't want to spend any money on it, you don't have to spend a single dollar. I will never put any of the content behind a paywall for this podcast. Everything will always be free, but I'm going to structure it in a way that if you want to support the podcast and be a sponsor of the podcast, you can do so. But if you do that, you get a lot of cool stuff and the potential uh, of winning some incredibly valuable things. Um, you can literally donate $25 and win something worth $11,000. So, uh, the and I'm, I'm going to start this off um, maybe like doing a new thing every three months, but eventually it's going to transition to a new thing every month. Um, and the, you can, you can gain, you can enter these things for free. If you'd like to, you can buy entries to it, which goes directly towards, uh, the, the investment for the podcast things I'm going to be investing in are like some, well, I don't want to give it away yet cause it hasn't been announced yet. Uh, but when, when it does get announced, all of the information, every time that I put something up to raise money for the podcast, I'm always going to tell you what I'm raising money for. So you know that it's all going to benefit you and not to pay my uh, Tesla charging bills to go to, uh, you know, tournaments on the road. Everything is always going to stay in-house for the Journey podcast. Um, and that's all the way to, that it's, it will always be that way. Um, but there's some really cool and exciting things that I have planned. That nobody's ever done before on a podcast, especially in shooting, and I'm just really looking forward to it. So, uh, again, look forward to that. Uh, look, look forward to that being announced coming soon. And um, that's all I have for that. I'm just going to give it a little teaser for now, and we will get into the episode. Cool. Thank you, guys. So, um, Curtis, give me a little bit of a background of. Uh, and in keeping it short, because both of our propensity to talk long, <laughs> and you put both of us on a podcast, it's going to go a little while. And I do yeah. want to get into the meat of the podcast, um, which is I'm actually going to be pulling a lot of information from you on that and your experience and everything for the for the podcast, but um, or for this episode. But give me a little bit of background of basically the the obvious stuff because I know you've interacted with a lot of people on the YouTube lives and things like that. And but you know like name where you're from your uh, background in shooting and kind of where you want to take it okay well um right now and for the past past about 26 years i've lived uh out in washington near seattle and place uh, called fall city and uh um worked for a construction company many years out there um as a manager and uh got into shooting um 
as it kind of transitioned into something else to do after doing, you know, doing a lot of sports throughout life and, you know, got into doing a little bit of trap shooting, skeet shooting, found sporting clays, uh, ran a five stand at, at the club for many years. Um, uh, you know, I, I don't know, in a life transition now, you know, I started getting serious about sporting clays. Um, years, years back, maybe about eight to 10 years ago, wanting to know more about it, enjoying it, you know, trying to find some instruction and coaching, stuff like that. When so, you know, saw Gil and Vicki Ash when they came up into the area, um, worked a little bit with, uh, Chuck and Matt Dreich out on their property that those were probably the two for two people that I saw first. Um, and, uh, and I just loved the challenge. The fact that I never felt like I was even close to being done learning how to do it, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the fact every time I went out, it was, it was, uh, you know, felt like there was something I could learn and do better. And, and all even now, yeah, even, even now. And, uh, you know, I had a life transition, uh, I started getting really serious about, you know, learning and getting better. And that's when I came to you, David, to, um, at that clinic with you and Tom Mm -hmm. a couple years back. And then I think that was 2019. Yeah. Yeah. Something, something close to that. Two, three years, three years, maybe before COVID. Yeah. And maybe uh, 2018, actually. I bet it's 2018. Yeah. I was at Cross Creek and then, uh, and then started doing the platinum program with you for a couple of years. Um, and then made a life transition and I'm kind of trying to now start doing some coaching and instruction on my own. Um, and trying to kind of also get into the industry in some, in some way, you know, David, as you and I have talked, you know, possibly about, um, doing a training facility someplace or, or something like that. Still, still open to that. Still working on, on the opportunity. You know, land's gotten a little crazy right now. Um, but uh, you know, I've been last year. I was lucky enough to. Um, I say lucky, but I paid for it, so it's <laughs> lucky enough to have had a great career. So let I, me tell you. So I even as a professional, you still paid for <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> so you got that to look yeah, for. Yeah, lucky rest enough of your life. that I had a great career. Is able to say, you know set some stuff aside so I can make some choices. And last year, spent a lot of time out on the road. Um, not not chasing punches or anything, because I'm master, uh, you know, I'm master shooter, so it doesn't, it doesn't, chasing punches isn't what you're chasing. But chasing experience mm-hmm. is, is more what I was chasing. Chasing different terrain, different, trying to experience different clubs, uh, trying to experience... Uh, different target setters, um, stuff that I wasn't exposed to by shooting a lot in Washington, uh, Washington state. Um, just because it's, you know, mostly the same style right. in, in an area. And, uh, even at the state shoot or something like that, that only happens once a year and in that, but, you know, really kind of getting around the U S and, and, you know, 
and experiencing the people, you know, what I found was just gr- the great people. That that's just a bonus, you know, um, you know. And then so I was out doing that. Uh, took a little bit of time off in the winter after na- after nationals, and then you know um, decided, and then here we are. Um, just finished up the Florida swing, right? And uh, then looking looking forward to doing it again this year and and. You know, uh, seeing seeing where it takes me. Yeah, cool. So, what the with the, the reason why I wanted to talk about that a little bit with your background was because I kind of wanted to give people a, obviously you know who you are if they don't know you. But on top of that, I kind of want to give them the background of the fa- foundational experience that you have for what I want to be pulling the topic of this podcast from, which is that. And honestly, I had I had complete different plans for this episode until after yesterday. <laughs> and um, and what what made me think about wanting to do this episode was the tournament that we went to that we just got back from at um, uh, Rocky Creek Outdoors in Texarkana for the Arclatex Open. Arclatex yeah. Open. <laughs> and uh, and so. Uh, and just some of the observational comments that I heard from people and the questions that I got from people um, really made me w- think about like, you know, this really actually would be a very valuable podcast to do. And it and it fits perfectly in in the process of the content that I'm putting out right now for the whole podcast. And um, the. uh uh, by the way, sidebar, because you can see my computer and I can't, if that ever stops recording, let me know. Okay. <laughs> um, but anyways, the, uh, I wanted to give people kind of like the, the, the foundational aspect of where I want to pull the episode information from with you, because you're kind of like at the perfect place where you have all the experience that comes along with being a masterclass competitor that has gone to regional championships, U.S. Opens, world championships, um, but never through a filter of being able to focus solely on that. You know, you were all you always had a job and other things at home, and just kind of recently decided like, hey, I'm going to make a life transition and see what I can do in shooting and put more time into this, and uh, and, and you're, you're basically, you, you kind of started that last year, but weren't really able to. And this year kind of is like the first real full attempt at that. And there's a lot of really complex, interesting, um, unassuming things that come along with an approach like that to the game that, w- that we've been also working on in the lessons together. And, um, and I, and I kind of want to talk a little bit about that but not immediately right now uh what i want to ask you about right now is um i i think would be best uh prefaced by me giving you some of the comments that i heard this weekend and a lot of that is listening to uh, some of my other students there you know um number one judging their performance based off of the number that they shoot 
and saying, I mean, how many times do you hear somebody say like, oh, I'm normally about a 75% shooter, or I'm an 80% shooter, and I either shot hot, better or worse than that today, and so it was a good day for me, or it was a bad day for me, and then um, the, uh, like, judging and understanding what it is that they're actually trying to do on the course in terms of their decision-making throughout that course and, and judging and grading their performance but being completely oblivious to the fact that the way that you should grade your round is not necessarily really at all based off of what the score you shot, but instead the actual effort and the process at which you use going through that round. So mm, yeah, very much so. Yeah. I, that's... I, that's we can talk more about that. That's something I've, I've learned. You, you know, I used to, I used to, very much, be like, oh, okay, yeah, I, you know, I shot a seventy six, or I shot an eighty four, or I shot an eighty eight, on courses set by people that I had shot many, many times against the same people that I had shot with, uh, you know, all through a, a certain period. Yeah, right. But that's all I was gauging it on was like whether or not I broke more targets or less targets. And, you know, going back to some things that I've learned from you and things that I heard you say and Tom Say say uh, that I didn't understand at the time, mm -hmm. you know, about, you know, why you shoot in your search for the perfect round and you don't really care how many you miss or how many you break how many did you do it perfect the way you planned the way that you thought about the way that you dreamt it would be mm -hmm. you know and your goal is 100 of those yeah and and that is something very different than a score like if you shoot you know I, if if i shot you know you made a comment this weekend it was pretty funny it was like i think it was a six bird a six bird station and something we'd worked on a couple of weeks ago yeah was you know like if i just like kind of chip a bird where you only get you only get you only get a quarter point yeah you know 0.25 on that one and I, I had ran, I had ran the station, and I turned around, and your, your first look at me was like, "That's a five point five at best." Yeah. And I was, and I didn't get it at, at the moment. And then a couple minutes later, I was like, "Ah, oh, yeah, two of those birds, I like just barely, just barely chipped." So you're, yeah. So I get, I get five plus my two quarter points. Yeah. Five point five. <laughs> and you're right, and and that's the thing because. Those birds, I actually, you know, I shot a pattern that chipped them, you know, and I was close enough to chip them, but they, that wasn't what I was looking for. Right. I was looking to be on them and, and correct. Yeah. I think there's like two, there's two perspectives on this. And the one that I think matters the most and that I see the most often is, uh, I'll break it down like this. On one pathway, you have the the rounds where you don't score a normal score for you like you're lower than what you should be but in all reality your performance you should be very proud of mm -hmm. and and it and it involves different quantifiers 
than what you normally would associate with a round like that, where, you know, for example, um, uh, I'll bring up Dawson uh, on our squad, another student of mine, awesome kid, and uh, who I'll, I'll probably have on the podcast sometime soon. And actually, I really want to talk about this round with him. But um, the uh, don't worry about making noise on it. It's a conversation. People should understand. <laughs> but uh, the with Dawson, you know, he started the round off. In the first four stations, he was down 10 targets. And then the last 10 stations, he dropped two targets and completely flipped the, the round around. And if you just at face value objectively look at that round, you'd be like, oh, I should be really proud with that round. Even though I know I could have shot a better score, I'm really proud for the fact that I, I turned around a bad round. I, you should be proud of that, but that's just literally face level of what I'm talking about. Yeah. You know, what the kind of stuff that I'm talking about is is what decisions are you making? How aware of yourself are you? How aware of the physical, emotional, and visual states that you are in um, and, and how those influence your abilities in that current moment? And then are you using that information to make decisions in real time to determine how you should take the pair that you're about to shoot? You know, Are you using that to build a plan? And that kind of stuff um is really where i don't think a lot of people even ever think about and there's a lot of times you know i made the comment to you this morning on the phone about you know i'm i was really proud about the way that you shot this uh weekend um because you know i think that uh watching you shoot that round you you probably shot should have uh ended runner up in the tournament um, and, but you didn't, and it cost you about six or so targets. Um, because what you did was what we had been working on in our lessons, which is play the round by the book, you know, because you and I both have the tendency to overestimate our current ability in that moment based off of what we know we're capable of, uh, in the strategy book, but maybe the day that we show up, we just don't have the ability to do yeah, the things I, we know how to do. That's and, something and, I've struggled. Yeah, you're notorious for thinking every day you like have 150. Every, every day, every <laughs> shot. Yeah, I can burn the diesel. It's yeah. no problem. Yeah, <laughs> turn on the jets. Yeah. I'm shooting it off the arm. We'll, we'll do it like, live <laughs> all all day long. Yeah, tomorrow also. Yeah, I don't I don't even know if I'm gonna get enough sleep tonight. I'm doing it tomorrow too. Yes. Yeah, and and I blow up rounds because of it. Yeah, and and it's it's and it's becoming more aware of me and who I am and how I'm reacting and what the day is going like is a big place I'm learning. Mm -hmm. You know, I only kind of found that you know through discussions with you, I only kind of found that it's time for me to to have that be part of my game sometime last year. And I started making some, some pretty big changes on, on how that uh, affects my game and, and awareness becoming much more aware. I don't know, maybe I wasn't ready to be aware of something of that before. Maybe my, maybe I had to, I was too, had to pay attention to the me mechanics and, the shot planning and and the kind of the 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 book 
of 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 shooting too much um but i feel like i have a lot of that down and then now i i have to pay attention to whether or not i can do what i want to mm-hmm. or whether or not it's time to you know shoot it conservative because i don't know what's around the corner and i might need the gas there yeah you know or or a lot of, a lot of different things influence it yeah that's what you did this weekend which was you, you really played by the standardized book um and and it was more conservative and you actually from my observation you know you had more gas in the tank so to speak than what you played the round as but you 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 played it based off of what we had talked so much about in lessons which is that we need to develop a baseline for you to understand like what you know you you have to learn through failure in tournaments when you have certain things accessible to you and when you don't and the only way to do that is to make an assessment of i feel this way in terms of my vision this way in terms of my emotional state and this way in terms of my body and energy right now and i think that that means i should do xyz so let me do that in the match let me try it in the match and either works or does not and that gives us a data point for in the future if when we feel that way then we should do that in the future and and what you were doing was what we had discussed in 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 lessons which was that i i kind of really want you to play more conservative almost you know in sometimes when you you may feel like you can do it and based off of your overall intuitive uh tendencies um i still want you to play more conservative because i need we need to get those data points in in your in your strategy book so to speak and you did do that and it and it cost you it cost you six birds in the match but six birds in that match for the information that i was able to observe as your coach and then hopefully the information that you picked up on from yourself is so worth six targets in that tournament to learn that it's it takes to get to there it takes a body of work to start re to start realizing you know an attention to detail, looking at a shoot, you know, maybe you start weak and you drop a bunch of targets in your first couple of stands. Maybe another time you drop a, jump a bunch of targets because your energy peters out and you drop a bunch of targets in the last part of, of uh, uh, a shoot. Or maybe it's just onesie twosie throughout. Um, all of those mean different things and your consciousness of what is happening with you um, is important to understand. It's not just, okay, you aren't the same shooter every time you go out there, right? You, you have to match the shooter that you were with that scorecard and with the results, not just the scorecard, but how did you shoot? Yeah. You know, did you have a consciousness of these things? Um, you know, is it that you were a slow starter? Was it that you burnt too much early and you finished early and there were still three or four stands left to go and you really didn't have the attention and focus left to do it? You know, or were you the type of person that day that just, you know, went back to the cart before there was two birds left to shoot yeah. on every station? <laughs> so you're, you know, your card Whether looks, that be physically or mentally. Yeah, yeah. Your card looks like I missed you know, there was a, I had a, I had a shoot uh, a couple months back 
And I was like, I cannot believe this. It was like 13 stations. I missed 10 birds in the last pairs. Yeah. And I was like, I... And, and a lot it, of five it, pairs. It, yeah, it was... A, Probably it was, two five pair stations. What's that? Two five pair stations. No, no. I, I can't remember. I think it was all like threes and threes and fours. Huh. You know? And I mean, I just... It was like 13, 13 stations, and I missed 10 birds in the last pairs, and a lot of those were the second bird of the last pair, you know? And I think I only missed 15, I think I missed 15 birds that day, or something like that, 13 birds that day. And I was looking at that, and I was like, okay, there's, obviously, you know, I had a problem finishing yeah. that day, you know? But it takes a body of work to start being able to, recognize and analyze that so that then when it's happening you can make decisions that affect the outcome yeah you know mostly you know this is what you know people don't talk about this and this is actually a huge influence on affecting your outcome yeah huge because it's like you can get two stations in slow start, whatever, and judge who you are. And the, the goal would be to judge before you even start shooting, how am I going to be able, what, what do I feel like I can do today? And and make your decisions based on that. Mm -hmm. You know, that's where ultimately you want, you want to be. But that's a hard place to get to because you have to have an awareness of that. I mean, I, I shot for several years trying to learn the game. And had no awareness of that. Yeah. Right? Like, you know, deciding to go to shoots on Saturday morning, that a 45-minute drive to it, and I decide an hour and a half before the shoot starts. Right. That I'm, I'm going to go shoot today, and I think I'm setting the world on fire probably. Yeah, yeah. No, I got, 40, I got 45 minutes. I got, I got, actually, I got 25 minutes to get everything in the truck. I got 45 minutes to get there, and then I have 20 minutes... To get my stuff out of the truck and into the cart and up on, sign up, on, up and up get on the, the hill and sign up, right? What am I hoping for today? Yeah, I should just be hoping for one hundred shots of fun, <laughs> right? I mean, because I, you know that's not a recipe for success. Yes, you know. Yeah, going back to what the comment that you made about the awareness of that, that's always been something. And if whoever's listening to this right now has listened to other episodes of my podcast and other podcasts that I've done, um, awareness, self-awareness, interceptive awareness, extraceptive awareness, all these different types of awareness sees. Is that a word? I don't really know. Awarenesses. Hmm. I don't I'm know. Not, I'm not sure. <laughs> but anyways, all this, all this different type of awareness is something I always talk about. And, um, you talk about it, you talk about it in your shot planning you talk about it in uh, your research phase of, of you know, part of your research phase of, okay, the trap is there, the trap is there, the birds look like this, you know, you talk about it there, what am I feeling like? Yeah, rehearsing it and yeah, with self-awareness. You know, do, do, do these shots build anxiety in me? These, these awarenesses, you, you talk about all through everything, it, all the way up, you know, awareness of how you're taking the shot how do you feel during the shot how do yeah. you feel after the shot you know it's all you know that's a big big thing 
that so what I want to ask you about because you're you're you would be a great person to ask because you've gone through the transition and also if you if it's hard for you to answer this that's totally fine because it's very hard to put into words um uh, unless you have to teach it and explain it so if you stumble up that no problem but my question is that because you've go, you've gone through the transition and you're and you're at the point now where you know in some of the texts that you've had back and forth with uh some of the tournaments that you did in in florida you know like after we left okay corral and what was the tournament you went to after that the florida challenge yeah yeah so you went to the florida Florida challenge and we gave you a new routine to use during the match your little updates in the text messages that you were sending me you know you were you were including some things that you had noted in in the level of awareness of things that you've had in terms of the way your body felt the way your eyes felt the emotional state that you were in like how how ready you were how how much anticipatory anxiety that you had or, and what have you but basically my question to you is it's a multi-part question so i'll go with part one first um have you noticed that there is like a a trend in terms of how aware you can be like the depth of your awareness where when you first start trying to shoot and you don't really understand what this is yet your understanding of the depth of awareness that you can get to is very very shallow but then as you start to try to work on it more and more and more you start to understand that you can be self-aware about more and more things. And now all of a sudden the depth gets deeper and deeper and deeper. And then eventually you hit this point that I think fairly recently that you've hit where it's no longer a linear progression of increased awareness. And now it becomes an exponential progression of increased awareness where it's like from tournament. Did I just get that? Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think you did. That was, that was for those that of was you who can't see. I just kinda, grabbed the mosquito out of the air. Thank you very cool much. <laughs> very proprioceptively, young, young, young Jedi. Yeah. <laughs> see what I did was I used my smooth pursuit movement of my eyes to connect to it, and I proprioceptively <laughs> grabbed it. <laughs> he just, first tried. Did he I? Just, hey, he can, just swatted up and, and closed his hand. You can. <laughs> I you can attest. Was that my first attempt? Yes, it was. Yes. <laughs> but I think there must have been something with the mos- mosquito's radar that was off. <laughs> oh, man. But anyways, so in terms of that, you know, like you, you'll hit that exponential level of awareness. And then and then you start to understand that this is now 90% of the game. Yeah. And it co- totally determines your decision making. And so... my. Part one is, have you noticed that change and have you noticed that it's gone from linear to now exponential? Yes. Uh, yes. The The journey in the linear, um, it got better and my learning increased when I quit caring so much about score. Mm-hmm. Like, especially if I'm back home... At a tournament, I have blown up some scores back there after after meeting and starting to work on certain things and trying things. I got to cut you off because some people might think that means you've shot really, really well. No, <laughs> no, like 
gone from shooting pretty well at, you know, someplace, flown back home, been home for a couple of weeks, then gone to a standard monthly and just just shot like a 72 yeah. or something because I was working on something and I was using it completely, well, not completely wrong because I didn't shoot a 50, but I was using it pretty wrong <laughs> and I had gauged me completely wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I had over, you know, I had kind of overburnt and thought I could do some things that I couldn't um, on that at that moment and, and or throughout around and stuff like that. But learning that and and walking away from it without a an emotional connection to like, oh, you know, I just shot a 72 and I look like I suck. Yeah. You know, I let that go. I let that go. Yeah. It's like if I'm there doing, I'm always shooting for a purpose. I'm either shooting because I want to shoot really well or I'm shooting because I want to shoot really well a month from now or two months from now and I've got something in my game that isn't working that I don't understand so I'm going to try stuff with it and that stuff's not always going to work it's going to cost me targets I don't care anymore on mm-hmm. that. you know because now I'm learning. Now I'm learning. I'm I sh- I shoot this. I look at the scorecard. I see different things on the scorecard. I make notes about how I was feeling throughout the round. I make notes about how um, what I was feeling like in the preparation for it. Was it one of those shoots that I decided on Saturday morning that I'm just gonna see if I can make it in time to get signed up? Yeah. Or was it one of those that on Tuesday I started thinking about, you know what, I'm, I'm, I actually would really enjoy shooting on Saturday and I think I want to try and do well. Yeah. You know, and I kind of built up to, you know, and being honest with myself about, you know, when I expect results and when I expect to learn. Yeah. And, but always, always learning about, about myself, but separating that from, from the score. Like sometimes you, you text me, you know, down, down here, down in Florida you know, and you'd be like, well, how'd it go? I'd be like, well, Thursday went good, but you know, Friday, oh, what a, what a shit show, yeah. you know? And it's like, well, you know, whatever it was, I, I didn't have it that day. I'm looking for it, you know? And I think it's a, um, I've learned to be aware. It's a rat, it's a rabbit hole. When you first kind of start thinking about it and you start thinking just outside of the physical performance of breaking clays yeah you know if i were to take it back say four years ago before i had met you and uh how i was breaking clays and how i was approaching things completely different it was almost limited to you know one well because you shoot them in pairs so it was almost limited to 50 eight second shots. Yeah. You know, eight second, you know, pills in a day that I was gauging. Mm-hmm. And that's all it was made up of. 
And and all of it was was filtered around an understanding of something that was completely external. Yeah, it whether was that be all about the break. It yeah, was, the break. Not and not only that, but uh, but about if it was about mechanics, the mechanics yeah. were filtered through a visual relationship of where things were, or or a visual. If we're talking about a connection and a harmony with the bird, it was never through the filter of how that harmony feels in your body, but instead how it looks. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was more, it was so much more about where was the tip of the barrel in relationship to the bird. Yeah. And I, and, and when I'm saying that, I'm, I'm not talking about, I'm not saying that you, that your approach was all lead based, but what I'm saying is, and what I'm going to no, eventually yeah. draw the conclusion yeah. to is, is, and I just will do it right now. But when, and this is the moment when we start to get, much more exponential instead of linear, which is where we start to understand with this heightened level of awareness, which can be positioned by conscious choice. When we start to understand that there is a, it is a two-part equation for everything that we read. And I'm not, I'm now I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to everybody else listening. Yeah, yeah. Everything that we read in magazines or watch on YouTube about mechanics and t technique and methods um that's one half of the equation and that's the easiest way to explain it in writing or on a youtube video which is you know insert here pull away watch the gap ma maintain itself create harmony with the bird but done all through seeing the relationship being unchanged when we understand the other 50 percent of that equation which is that we can feel a ratio of rotational speed in our body in terms of in relation to the target and if you were to close your eyes you could move at the same exact speed as the target without being able to see the target if you put your conscious attention on that and understanding that harmonic relationship and, and this proprioceptive synchronicity between your movement and the bird's movement um, is all a, a, an internally interceptive based thing as opposed to an externally extraceptive based thing. And when we start to understand that, that accelerates the linear growth of your self-awareness. But it's like, have you ever learned a new language? Did you ever speak any other language? Hillbilly. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's when you, you lost Hillbilly when you moved from from Illinois to Washington. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, okay, so you never hear about people talking about how like, oh, you know, oh, I'm, yes. I'm an English speaker, yeah. uh, but I'm fluent in Spanish. But they never actually yeah. think Spanish in their head, yeah. right? There always has to be a translation. Yeah. Well, that process can flip in shooting and our learning where... At first, when that linear learning curve of awareness of your body is is growing, what's happening is we're increasing our understanding of that second half of the equation, but we still have to do the translation. Mm -hmm. We still have to look and see it not being changed, and then we can say, oh, I know how that should feel. Mm -hmm. But when we hit the point where now the the way the language that we hear in our head when we dream or when we ha when we listen to our own conscious dialogue when that language is now that second half of the equation where it's based first in feel and then we have to translate it to get a picture that's when that learning curve starts to become exponential because all of that is based in awareness you have to have the awareness to have that be that translation foundation so um 
that's the part two of the question, which is, have you noticed that that has happened yet? Yes. Uh, if you were to watch me in like, well, you have watched me, but you might not have, you might've seen it, but if somebody were to watch me and just have a camera on me through an entire round that I'm serious about, um, you, you would maybe see me shoot, shoot a target and I, I, I broke, broke both, Mm -hmm. but maybe on the second target, after I got done, I opened the gun and I, and I'll, and I'll shake my head Mm -hmm. sometimes, you know, and not just shake it, you know, but like, I violently shake my head, (laughs) like shake my head. No. Right. Um, and that's me saying that's not, I was not in harmony there. I, I broke that, but that wasn't what I wanted it to be. Yeah. Um, and then sometimes you would see me um, close my eyes and maybe if I'm up first in, uh, in the rotation and I've uh, seen the view pairs and you might see me just hold the gun and look up into the sky or look down on the ground and close my eyes and move just a little bit. And I might move kind of quickly and I might shake my head. Um, no. And then I might move real softly. And those are the moves that I want to feel. I'm trying to tell myself, you know, okay, I, I know what this target is. I know how fast it is. I know the, the um, what this target's like. What does this target feel like? What does this target make my body feel like? Um, what will my body feel like as I'm making the move to shoot? And being come, becoming familiar with that so that when I shoot, there's I've already kind of pre-programmed what it is I want to do. And that's a different thing, but um, but so that I'm in I'm I'm fully aware to be in unison with the target, but not just because it's a gun and a target, but because it's me. Yeah. And having me be in charge of what's happening because of what the target is doing. And yeah, so it's a, it's, it's a different, it's a different thing. It's like, you know, it's not just whipping the barrel out there and pulling the trigger and getting the target to break. You know, I'm looking for the, you know, the, the perfect feel for the target, you know, to feel one with the target to break it, you know, and have it, and have it be just right. Now, sometimes you'll see me on a stand. I don't put all of that in. I'll still break them. And that's actually a lot of times when I'm in the, I'm in a dangerous place, not dangerous as in watch out. Here he comes. Yeah. Like watch out here. He crashes Yeah. (laughs) because it's like, I won't be taking the targets all that serious. I'll just, you know, maybe the two, maybe both pairs, maybe the pair is boring or, so familiar to to me that I just take them completely for granted and I will, I'll just kind of put the gun up there. I'll go and I'll shoot. And sometimes it works, you know, and that's the way I used to shoot that, you know, like if I take it back four or five years, that is how, that's how I shot. I shot completely after the target came off the trap is when I did everything. And, 
I didn't have a feel in my body or emotion about how that shot was to come together and how to go to the next shot in, in those types of things. Now, I mean, I can break, I can break targets and not feel good about it. Yeah. Because that wasn't what I, that wasn't what I wanted. It got the job done. Yeah. But I'm looking for more than just getting the job done. You know, I'm looking for, I don't, I don't want to use this, you know, I'm looking for in my own mind, I'm looking for it to be beautiful. Mm -hmm. And that's a hard thing to describe what's, you know, what's, what's beautiful to you. It's beautiful to me. And I don't mean roses and everything. Yeah. I mean, just, it's the feeling of the way the shot comes together, the way that you're seeing the target, the way that you're moving the gun where you're breaking it, the transition to the next target, the feel of that target, the feel of the gun, the feel of how you're moving and how you're breaking that and your response to to all of that. And then doing it again and again and coming out of the stand, you know, feeling like that was that was it. That was what I have for that. I didn't take anything for granted. I gave it everything and I used everything that I have to do it and it was successful. You know, that's what you're, I mean, that's what you're looking for. Yeah. You know, but there's a lot, there's a lot of rabbit holes in there, you know, that you, that you have to be in all all of them. You know, you have to be, you have to be aware of all of them to get to that place. I think, I think there's people that, that just shoot. Right. And they're, and they're very good. Right. Right. But I think I like, I like what I have, how I've learned to think about it, how I've learned to become more with it, because I feel like there's always a place that I can build, Mm. you know, that actually leads me exactly into the next question I want to ask about that. So this is part three of that awareness question. So part one was, do you notice the difference between the linear and the exponential Part two was what we just covered, but part three is because so on that on that yes, when I, when you first introduced me to thinking like this, or we discussed yes, it was slow. It was slow, and it yeah. was very linear, and it and it was somewhat tied to learning better mechanics, yes. also yeah, learning 100%. how to better take the shot. And then as as a lot of those things slowed, right, the mind was able to open up a little bit more and start appreciating. And thinking more about how I want a, the beautiful shot to come together. Yeah. And then it really starts rolling for you. Yeah. Because, you know, you take this shot and the next shot and the next shot. And now you're really compounding and you're re- in your awareness. It's awareness on top of awareness on top of awareness. And now yes. you're building and building and building. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, that actually, go, if you go back to episode three of series one about like optimizing learning uh, through the mental approach of, of practicing, um, all the reason why you experience it that way and you summarized it perfectly is it has to do with the neuroplasticity of the way that your brain is cataloging spikes in dopamines and uh, of events to overwrite those CPGs so that you're non-consciously and proprioceptively controlling your body using the mechanics that you learned and only when those fully become converted and the mechanics that we're trying to get you to learn become controlled by 
that non-conscious control system, those central pattern generators, only when that happens can we open up the awareness to be able to sense other things because otherwise our attention has to be cued on the control as opposed to the, the observation, if that makes sense. Yes, um, yes. But anyway, so my part three of the question uh, has to do with using that awareness. And one thing I was very proud of the way that you did this weekend was if you look at the progression of your rounds and we can take score out of it. But even if we add score in and we look at the progression of your score from day to day to day, from prelim to, to Saturday main to Sunday main, obviously they're different courses. This is why I don't care too much about looking at scores. But if we if we actually look at your performances i want you to we haven't run it yet but i kind of want you live on the podcast to do although it's not live it's recorded but i want you to make an assessment in your in in the efficiency of successful strategy choices using awareness to avoid mistakes from round to round to round. Because, and tell me if I'm right or wrong, I noticed, I, I, I'm having a hard time remembering the difference between Friday and Saturday, but I think that's probably because they were so different of courses. I remember uh, it. Yeah, but the, your difference between Saturday to Sunday, I thought was really cool because, I mean, you had a little slip ups here and there where you where you chose the book approach as opposed to your approach, which would have netted you uh, a better score but what i noticed was to me it looked like your presence was better it looked like you were able to control the time in which you were thinking so to speak in your presence it looked like to me like you were able to control the top end of your anticipatory anxiety like you didn't let it get build too much throughout around you were very aware and sensing that which allowed you to have better control of your physical body um, in the movements that you were trying to execute, to me it looked like there was a big improvement from Saturday to Sunday. And I, and if you can, I want you to talk a little bit about that in whatever way that you thought of it or tried to implement it. Or you can be like, dude, it was total randomness. So, <laughs> well, you know, we 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 laugh a little bit about it. it was total randomness in some regards, and you and I have talked about this. In some regards, yes. Yeah, it there, always will have there an element is of that. some an element of randomness that, but there's there's an effort to find if it's not random. Yeah, right. There's an element of randomness to it, but on on Friday, I can tell you, I was just a gunslinger. Yeah. <laughs> On Friday, Wild West Curtis. I was just going like, Cornelius coming yes, in. I'm, I'm shooting <laughs> this one off the arm, and I don't care how far away that trap is. I'm shooting it off the arm also. Mm-hmm. And I was not going to wait for any target to, you know, gunslinger Dunbar. I was, <laughs> I was just, I was, I was. I'm here to shoot. Let's get her done. Yeah. And I wasn't. I didn't control. I didn't control the game really at all. I mean, I did a, a bit, but not 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 at all. I wasn't really. We were having a lot of fun. We had a great group, and we were we were just having a blast. That didn't really get in the way. But when it came time for me to shoot, 
you know, I, I thought that I was, you know, I felt like I could do everything I wanted with the gun every time that I shot. Mm -hmm. And I was wrong a lot on Friday. Yeah. Right. Like there, I can think back. I, there's a few pairs uh, that, that, that cost me. And then there was a lot of like onesie twosie type of stuff. Um, you know, a few pairs, like I thought I was that, I, I thought I was the right shooter to be able to do this plan. And that plan is risky if you're not right there for that. You know, it might've been the only way that I was, could have shot an eight on that. But I tell you, I could have shot a six or a seven it with, with shooting it a lot of other ways. But I went for the eight every time I went for the eight in the risky way every time. And I ended up with like a four, <laughs> right? And I knew that could be the case, but I didn't even think of the ramifications right. on that day. Saturday I came out. And, uh, I was in a, you know, I had burned off some, I burned off some gas on, on, on Friday, which was good. And I came out, I was making, I was, I allowed myself to make a little better choice, little better choices. I, it still got me a couple of times, um, where because of what the pair showed me and what I've done in the past and and there's certain shots that, I'm never going to tell anybody, any target setter, you know, if, if I ever end up being really good or something Mm. someday, who knows, you know, I'm never going to tell what these shots are because you set this, I'm shooting it like this and I don't care if it blows up the score, (laughs) right? Because this is, these are this, some shots are shots that I love to make and I'll go down, uh, you know, you you can't resist. I'll die. I'll die. You know, You'll like die you, on the hill. Like you stack a pair for me. Oh, I'm. Pow, pow, pow. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm gonna take them as quick as I you can. You throw. You throw Curtis yeah. an incomer starting at 200 yards. He's gonna pull the trigger at 180. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm gonna put the tightest choke in I can. And just I'm gonna be like, watch this. Hold my beer. <laughs> um, but no, you know. So on on Saturday, I did a lot better job controlling it, making the better choices, making sure that. Um, making sure that the plans matched up to the birds matched up to, um, you know, the, you know, the risk involved a little bit and then, and then come Sunday and I had a pretty successful day. I probably, I probably gave up six targets. I, I shouldn't have on, on Saturday. Um, but that wasn't because of playing it conservative or by the book. Those six targets were because of choices I made to overcook those targets. Mm-hmm. What I call overcooking those targets, yeah. which is putting... Giving it the Curtis plan instead of the book plan. Yeah, giving, giving it the little Curtis flair. And it looks great if it works. Yeah. But it if it doesn't work, it kind of looks like you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> And so there's, there's about six targets. I did that. Um, and then on Sunday, you know, I felt like I'd shot pretty well on, on Saturday. And I was like, you know, I'm, I want to shoot, I want to shoot really well again today. And I think I want it to be a little cleaner. And so 
this so this was a conscious choice you made yeah i just like a thought yeah i just kind of felt like you know i'm not gonna if i have the choice and there's no reason to heat up the shot when i say heat up the shot like put the shot under pressure shoot it as soon as i can see it sometimes you know shoot it in a way that not many people can and not many people can get themselves to a point to see the bird that quickly or or pull the trigger that on that and i said you know i'm going to let things i'm going to look at things for what they are i'm going to take some of the 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 options to let the bird develop just a little bit more and guarantee take a little more guarantee on some of my shots yeah and you know it did increase it, it increased my score versus saturday a few birds um i thought and it, i thought sunday was score wise if you run the numbers it was a little harder than sunday uh, yeah. sunday was harder than saturday yeah i didn't feel that it was no because of the way that i shot it yeah um you know, I, I I held myself back off the ledge of what I can do, and I only there was only a, a couple of stations that I I really I that I that I shot the way that like I would have first seen them. Mm -hmm. There was only a couple, and it didn't bite me uh, on those, but. That was maybe out of what was it, 14 stations? Yeah. I think I did it on three. Yeah. Um, it bit me on two stations going the conservative route. And I, I dumped off a couple of targets because it put me in. That can happen to me when I, when I feel a certain shot, a certain pair to do it a certain way. And then I'm playing the conservative route. Um, I learned this week I need to be, I need to move my, my conscious confidence over to that conservative route and not leave it at wishing that I could still go ahead and shoot it the other yeah. way. Well, you know, the interesting thing um, that I, that I want to add in here on that is that playing that normal conservative strategy, give builds the reserve tank of gas the way that you like to, to talk about it it builds it during the round so that you have it to draw from at times when you can but if you yeah. always are using that overcooked method you're starting at 100 percent. you're just going to continuously drain yeah and i wanted to bring that up because i was hoping that you noticed like on the two to three stations where you could have gone full curtis <laughs> <laughs> yeah you you had that available to you there Oh, and Whereas it, if the whole round was that, you would have not had that there. And and, and it yeah. would have been a blow up. Yeah. And the the funny thing is, is like in at those two, at those couple of stations, it was even easier to do than what I, than the energy I would have had to put in yeah. to doing it. I mean, because it was there, it was there in the tank. It was there. It was there to be given. Yeah. You know? Um, and, uh, 
you know, the couple of stations that I, I shot more conservative that I maybe should have picked something in between or gone at. Um, I don't really regret those. I learned something from those, you know. But yeah, Sunday was it was it was more of a conscious effort to control the entirety of the game. Mm -hmm. Not just one single shot, but from the time that we started all the way through, you know, I got up, I had a good morning. Um, I was, it was early, you know, we shot a nine o'clock rotation and I, I'm always pretty fearful of, of earlier morning rotations because I, <coughs> historically, I don't shoot well on early morning rotations or yeah. earlier morning rotations. And I, so I was worried about that, but I also wanted to see I was excited to see after shooting pretty well the day before, you know, could I carry it over? Can I shoot, can I shoot a decent one in the morning? And I think that also led me to be that little more conservative because mm -hmm. I, that's a, something I have trouble is controlling it in the mornings. And, uh, so yeah, I mean, it fit it, it fit in the plan and, and I felt, you know, as I look at the three days, it was a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I felt more the most in control of the game on Sunday. I felt pretty in control of the game on Saturday. I felt like it was the game a had control carnival <laughs> on Friday. Yeah. Right. Like I literally like emotionally shooting my shots, you know, how I was moving the gun. It was a, it was a carnival. Yeah. That's the only way I can, I can describe it. Which is a good way to describe it because it was fun. Yeah. yeah. It was it was a lot of fun, but we were laughing at you know, that. that's I mean, how incredible. I shot, that's how I moved the gun, that's how I put my plans together. You know, I put I put my plans together on Friday based on which one would be the most fun mm -hmm. and which one I would get the most gratify gratification out of out of doing. Well, I wonder if I can shoot this one fast and that one fast. Yeah. Well, they both come off the trap at the same time. So which <laughs> one, you know, well, maybe I'll see if I can get them together. Right. You know, and it was just that it was just a carnival. And, and it usually for me, as much fun as I have doing that, I'm usually not very satisfied at the end of it. Well, this that's the thing about that is that so often, you know, we give up, we give up the, the, uh, in a way, that's what procrastination is, because you're you're doing the thing that's fun in the moment, but you don't think about the consequences, mm -hmm. and so you kind of live a little bit too much in the present. And you enjoy what you're doing in that round, but then as soon as the round's over, you're like, "Why did I do that?" Yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, um, and and that's something else I've learned too is like sacrifice some rounds mm -hmm. every once in a while. Yeah, go out, go out with a buddy. Go out with your buddies and don't care about trying to win this one and just throw the, throw the heat to it Yeah, and, and just have fun pulling the trigger quicker than you normally do or later than you would shoot and shooting everything as a dropper yeah. and not caring about that score and do that on a shoot so that you're not always, you can't do it. You know, I mean, you the know, way I do that is not necessarily shooting everything 
shooting things faster, but I, I just don't plan. I don't do any planning or researching. Yeah. And I enjoy the people I'm shooting with, yeah. and I enjoy the social aspect of it. And that costs a couple of. T- that's for sure. It'll that's going to cost you some targets, and, yeah. and just just realize that. Okay, this day, this day I'm going to put in fifty percent of the normal effort. I'm going to have two hundred percent of the fun. Yeah. You know, but with fifty percent of the normal effort, I I shouldn't be expecting. A hundred percent. Yeah. And that's very personality based like that for, you know, for someone let's say like Mike Wilgus, who, you know, he, he Uh probably would not find that fun. He would want to put a hundred percent of the effort in because he finds the effort and the result of that, the fun thing. Yeah. And whereas for some people like you and me, you know, the, the, we enjoy our personality. I'm very, very ADHD. So for me, it's all about the here and the now. I don't think about the consequences of it. And so I want to have fun in the moment playing the game and with the people that I have. And sometimes, and because I'm not someone that's motivated by winning, I don't, at the, you know, like, I, it's not sometimes worth it to me to do the work on every event that I need to do to win. <laughs> I, I literally will do a round like that every every shoot. If I have yeah. multiple rounds per I've, day. I've been with, I, I've been with you and, and watched you. Yeah. Uh, you know, U.S. Open. Yeah. Two, what two years ago, something like that. Mm-hmm. We shot the Super Sport. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. David, you shot twenty five percent of the Super Sport left handed. You shot ten percent of the Super Sport with the gun like upside down <laughs> or something like that. I was kind of trying on the Super Sport, but um, I mean, I knew what that it was. It was a super hot day. You know, we had done Fetas the first day. You didn't have it, and you you know if you would have burnt it on Supersport, the main would have been lost to you the following yeah. days, mm-hmm. and because of the conditions that we were in, a long drive, um, super super hot, really humid, you know. I I totally understand what you. I've totally seen you do it. Yeah, and I've done it. You know, there's there's been times when I've gone to shoot with guys, I've absolutely, when I say obliterated a score, I mean. I didn't shoot a hundred. That's for sure. Yeah. Like I got done and I was like, how did I shoot that bad? But because I was, I was really burning it and really, you know, really putting things under pressure. I had people come up to me like, man, how is it that you can shoot so fast? How is it that you can do that? How is it that you could shoot both of those birds like that? You know? And it's like, Oh, okay. Well, you know, I am doing some stuff, right? Yeah. You know, but this was more of a this was more of a show and see what I could do, yeah. Versus actually shoot a score, you know. And I, you know, and I shot the entire round that way, mm-hmm. you know. So yes, it might look, you know, the way I move the gun, the way, the way that the targets break and how things happen might look impressive. But if you're really paying attention, you know. A little bit of a train wreck because it's a little erratic. You it's know? too much. Yeah. Yeah, I can't. You know, I can't completely keep control of it. You might see something amazing on one, on one station that goes in that goes in your mind, you know, and then you didn't really watch me on the next station, completely, like, turn two trash can lids into a show of trash can lids flying. <laughs> You know, because I didn't, I didn't break as many as what I should, you know. Right. And, and those were trash can lids, you know, yeah. because I was just not in the right place to, to do it, you know. But awareness of that, I used to, I used to fumble 
back and forth through it, like, you know, not, not really have any consciousness of it and just totally, uh, completely attached to the score, good or bad. And that was the only thing that, that matters yeah. that I was, that was mattering. I mean, now it's like, guys, I'm always learning something, even if I'm, even, even if it's not that round for me. And sometimes, sometimes I can tell now, now, sometimes I can tell I can be two, three stations in and I can tell this is not happening. It's not really going to matter what I do today. This isn't the day. Yeah. I'm not able to control what I need to control today. I can feel that I'll slip off targets. I'll make bad choices. So, you know what? Today's the day to work on some stuff and make bad choices. Yeah. And and that's, you know, honestly, that's a lot where a lot of people don't recognize that that's happening for them. And because they're so focused on that external result of the score. And so they don't, all they use to judge the the performance is just the number on the scorecard. And they, and they, didn't, they don't have the ability to assess why it was that way. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of, pulls into where I want to go with this a little bit, which is that with that level of awareness that is, is building and being used as the, as our way to define our movement and our approach to birds using self-awareness physically, visually, emotionally, um, using those levels of self-awareness to define how we're moving that allows us to use our awareness to define the success and, and the, probability of the outcome of the round that we either just did or are in the middle of and which gives us even more information to decide to make adjustments from day to day to day and being able to actually learn something about specific individual things that we either don't have the ability to do right now or are struggling with to change our game plan with to avoid specific approaches to pair uh, pairs or target presentations or just an overall influence in out uh, in um, um, the emotional approach to the round that you're going to take. Like, how are you going to filter? You know, you, the way that you're interpreting what you're about to do this round is it one that you feel like your best your best possible chance of a high score is, or a good performance would be a very focused and uh you know dialed in approach, or is it going to be a little bit on the lighter mood, but still you know like the only way we can make these decisions is to have that filter to process our decision making through. Um, yeah, you have to have a, and, and the body of work, right? Yeah. I'm, yeah. It's a staged becoming, process. I've watched, process. you know, through shooting with you, I've watched you make these choices consciously and then shot the round with you and seen the differences in how you shoot rounds. Yeah. And I mean, not many people don't realize, I don't think like, you know, they think that, you know, David Radulovich goes out there and he is a type of shooter, no matter what course it is, no matter when it is, this is how he is. Yeah. They don't realize that there's, there's a bunch of different Davids that, that you're picking almost picking from on that are that you're you know 
what is your intent for the day and you're picking from those to to be that today because that is where I think I am yeah today I'm just learning some of that you know is it a day that I can you know take the riskier shot and have it be successful is it the day that I need to shoot more conservative on the flip side of that is it a day that shooting conservative will drive me absolutely nuts yeah because I don't get to have fun shooting when I shoot super super conservative and even Sunday wasn't super conservative when I when I shoot super super conservative I get lost a bit because it gets a little boring for me um, the shots take too long in my in my brain that's going faster and you know and I get frustrated yeah you know can I do that today you know do I have the patience today to, to have a round like that and I'm learning things like that about myself um, so that I can make a choice you know and it changes it's different from day to day you can't just say okay I'm going to this shoot and I'm gonna be like this yeah and that a lot might of... be what you say on Wednesday but then you got to check yourself come Friday if that's when the shoot starts or something or Thursday when the shoot starts. Be like, you got to check yourself after lunch. Yeah. You know, you got to check, check yourself during the round. Yeah, station to station, sometimes pair to pair. Yeah. Um, that actually brings one of the questions I wanted to, to save for later on, but but you just brought you just brought the conversation there. Uh, was Was a question more in something that I'm just not able to do being the person that talks on the podcast and, and tries to teach because I can't offer a third person perspective of me in it. And I wanted to ask you uh, if where you just brought up, there's multiple different me's that show up that day. Obviously, you can probably categorize them into X different versions of me, whether it be and, and it would be on a spectrum of level of intensity of focus. Um, and uh, and probably that would be observed by somebody as being seen as how interactive am I with other people? Uh, and, and if and, and am I lighthearted and goofy or is it like if you were to talk to me, you wouldn't notice I like I wouldn't even notice you were talking to me. Um, you can think of it as that as that spectrum. And there's and I you have shot with me enough to see when I make the assessment that today needs to be a little bit more towards the lighthearted and goofy side. And I make that assessment incorrectly and it costs me. Mm-hmm. And you've also seen rounds where I make the assessment of I need to be very focused today and I do it incorrectly and it costs me. Whereas if I was a little bit more lighthearted and goofy, I may have shot better. And on days when I make the opposite mistake, if I was more focused, I may have shot better. But can you think of, is there is there two performances that stand out to you that are on either end of the spectrum? One being very focused and intense and another one being kind of goofy where they both netted in a very, very good result that you were able to see where you could kind of talk about a little bit of the difference of how, what you observed, if anything. Well, you know, I've seen you being, be goofier, but you were pretty goofy at, uh, um, was it the South, where were Providence Hill last year? South, South Central? Central, I believe. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So the South Central at Providence Hill, 
for the main, I mean, you ended up you ended up tying Finesi on the two day with what both had one ninety eights or something or I think one ninety six. I think I shot ninety eight ninety eight. Ninety eight ninety eight. Yeah, and he shot ninety six a hundred or a hundred ninety six. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what it was. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, you you were pretty goofy those two days, and you you know, and you were shooting stuff really pretty fast and or you were shooting it early Mm -hmm. um you know we were squatted with wendell and tom and you know that that was the that was the weekend we used the used the shell to to uh to to jam open the the throttle on the golf cart oh yeah (laughs) remember (laughs) right so i mean you're burning around the things popping you know, and you never did take take the shell out, so you're going from stand to stand. You know, wide open, wide, wide open. <laughs> you know, I mean, you had a good, you had a good time. Yeah, and you shot, you shot lights out both days. Yeah. Um, you know, and good and, and a good performance. Yeah. Um, I've seen you. I can't remember where it was. I've seen you struggle in. Uh, you know, struggle digging deep and not really talking uh, much at all. And, you know, just kind of going back to the golf cart and going to the next stand and, you know, putting extra time into your planning and it not really working um, as well for you. Yeah. Um, uh, I can't remember where it was at. I feel like I remember around like that to me. I feel like that was at the U.S. Open somewhere. Is that it? Yeah. First day of the main event at Cross Creek Regional. Yeah. First day of the main event at Cross Creek Regional. Yeah. I was trying. I was never a mat. Never negative. You, you wanted, I never get negative. But you wanted to do well, and there were some things. There were some things in the way. Yeah, and I was um, trying to force a focused round. Yeah, and it was not hitting. Yeah, it it wasn't, and because partially because of what was going on with some of the lighting and some of the targets. Yeah, um, that's a whole different conversation there. About, yeah, you know the horrendousness of about, those about targets, quartering targets. Yeah, and and how surprising it is. I'll just I'll publicly yeah. say it. Don't let a guy that sets targets in the desert set targets in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yes, um, and but yeah, that happened early in the round. You had to change your round. You had to change to try and keep that round alive and stay alive in that round. Yeah, you know, and that was that was a tough one. That was a tough one for you. Mm-hmm. You know. But what was cool was the next, the very next day of that on Sunday, I I stayed focused. I I I, I ramped up the intensity, mm-hmm. and I put together a ridiculously good round and came back. I think yeah. one or two off of winning. Yeah, and and you were, like socially, you were in the middle. I on would Sunday? say on Sunday. Oh really? I I think you were, you were kind of in the middle, but you knew, but you knew what you had to do. The targets were a lot better, so they were. It was a lot. You were a lot more engaged with yeah. it. You know, it was easier to be engaged with those with those targets. You know, um, but yeah, I've seen. I've shot enough with you that I've seen. 
you know, I've seen rounds not go your way. Um, and I've seen, you know, and in that, I've seen you, you know, be uber serious. I've seen you play around and I've seen you be in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> and then I've seen rounds, you know, where you've shot completely amazing and that's everything's going your way. And I've seen you do it all three ways also. Yeah. You know, in a lot of where, where I watch too is I watch you in the stand because you have two, on any round, you have a person that is in the stand from the time you step up until the time you throw the last shells into into the trash can. Um, and then you have the person that goes from stand to stand. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'm aware of each one of those, what, what type, you know. When, it, when I'm... Does the person in the stand ever change? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, less so than the than outside the stand. Well, there's less change. There's less the to recognize about it. Um, when when you have to be more serious about it, and you maybe are struggling, I don't know what you're struggling with necessarily. Yeah, but when the day is harder for you, maybe. Yeah. Um, there will be more time between shots. You will tend to, when you take the shells out of your gun, if they come out of your gun, um, (laughs) um, you'll, you'll hold them in your hand longer while you're thinking about the shots that you're taking. Hmm. Um, and then throw them away and, um, you will... You know, even on a even on a simple pair, you will take extra time between between your shots um, to really get yourself to the place you want to get to. Yeah. And there are days when you never do you never go fast. So there's a there's a minimal. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a minimal, and then there's kind of a maximum, and and it's just not there's not as much thinking going on Mm -hmm. and it's a little more fluid um you're you're more willing to just take the shells out throw them in throw them away think for a moment check yourself and then shoot the next pair yeah because it just to me it looks like it's just not as hard today yeah not as hard to get yourself to the place where you know and people have to keep that in perspective too on Sunday, on Saturday, what did you shoot? You shoot Here? a night. Yeah. This uh, la- yeah, at, at the arc, you yeah 98. A 98. Okay. What did you shoot on Sunday? 100. You shot 100. So we're not talking about somebody that's, that is, you know, necessarily working towards breaking six birds on his way to 74. Right. You're talking about somebody that's breaking these six birds at this station always trying to get to a hundred right because that's in in your business and and in what you do that's really what matters is is getting some of those big wins that keeps you at the status that keeps you relevant those things matter mm-hmm. right and so that's what that's what you're searching for so you got to find those in 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 your person yeah right 
Um, I'm not saying that that's what you're thinking about when you're in the stand. That's not. No, that's actually is what what's going on in my head. The difference when when that's why I wanted to have a third person perspective on this because I can't know. I mean, I can look at videos, but I can, a video is one time example of the thousands of pairs you've ever seen me shoot. Yeah. And um, so I don't have data points where I can put together what it looks like to see me shoot. And and but I do know what's going on in my head and I can explain that. And, and so like when you're looking at me and I'm taking longer and days where you I mean, you're, you have obviously a very good observation of this because you're using the phrase of when it's harder for you and it takes you harder work or whatever you were saying. I mean, literally what it is, is that I am having um, on that spectrum of interceptive versus extraceptive that I talk about a lot, interceptive being very focused internally on your awareness and extraceptive, meaning your attention and awareness on things all outside of you. On days where it looks like it's harder for me, it's because my attention is on is stuck on things outside of me. So I hear golf carts more. I hear people mm-hmm. talking more. I, uh, I'm i looking and observing more. And to get and to dip inside, to be internal about, okay, what do I want to feel my body feel like when I shoot this pair? How do I, what level of calmness or relaxation or emotional state do I need to be in to shoot this pair? What, how do I want to feel my eyes move? And what do I want them to see when I shoot this pair? My access to that mm-hmm. is a longer path because I have to fight all the external distractions. That's what I feel. When I watch that, Yeah, that's what I feel. I feel like, you know, There's a lot whatever of you're thinking about, typical, mm-hmm. you know, in between two shots, in between two pairs, mm-hmm. um, when, when it's a... I want to, I'm just going to say when it's a good day or a fluid day. Yeah. Um, I feel like the thoughts that, the thoughts that you come and the things that you're thinking about and the things that you're thinking about to make the shot better and to make this next shot good, um, all come very, very easily and in a nice organized order that you can fluidly move through. And what I feel like, um, just viewing, watching, when it's a day that's harder for you, what I feel like is all of that happens slower. Much slower. And and it's because you're, it's almost like because you're having to encourage it a little more and it, to be able to focus on it, to be able to do it. Um, and, I, you know, for whatever reason. But, you know, when you get it done, you shoot again. Yeah. It, it's still the same stuff. It's the same stuff. It's the same um, stuff. It yeah. just comes to you. It's a different road. It, yes. And I mean, I can I can stand back and watch. Yeah. And it's it can be that way. It can change during rounds. Mostly, it's the most recognizable um, on a day when, you know, you do it all day long one way. You do it all day long a different way. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean... And most people would never even see it. Yeah. I've just shot with you enough to know that there's, you know, I can see it in a stand different than other stands, but I can see it across a day. Yeah. You know, I've shot with you enough to know. Yeah. It's, it's, that's good. Yeah. The, what's happening is it, you're right. It's all the same stuff. 
sometimes I need to take a different path to get there. When it's harder work for me, I can't compartmentalize my focus because yeah. it's hard for me to get it back once I lose it. Those are days where I'm very antisocial when I'm shooting yeah. because if I turn on the sociability aspect, I can't I can't walk away from that and get back into the focus. Yeah. I need to stay in the focus for three hours straight. Whereas the days where it is very fluid, I'm I'm able to access what I'm wanting to access prior to every pair so easily that I can just flip a switch and turn it off and on. And that's when I'm very, very social and could be goofy and my actual personality will come out more. But the interesting thing about that is you'd ask, uh, somebody may ask like, well, what is it that you're trying to access? It's I'm, I'm trying to access the awareness of what I'm trying to do in my plan should be. I'm, I'm looking for the data points of internal awareness and, and, and I'm trying to experience them through some people may call it visualization or whatever it is yeah but for, it's not, it's for, for for lack of a better word yeah it's in between those pairs it's a visualization of you know a moment of what did not feel right in yeah. the pair that i just shot mm-hmm. what do i want the next pair to feel right feel like or be like yeah how am I going to do that? What do I need to change? Set that up and 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 make it happen. Yeah. But you know, sometimes sometimes you shoot that first pair and you, and you get done with the first pair and it's easy. You can definitely feel like you have like a, you know, you have a photographic memory of exactly what the last pair was like and it was and it's like yes right there when i made the transition with the gun to the other bird i had a little hitch in my giddy up yeah i'm gonna get rid of that that's gonna make this next pair smoother everything else about the plan is correct now i'm gonna do it and sometimes when you get done with the first pair you're like that wasn't right that didn't feel right. I broke them. But what wasn't right about it? Yeah. And then there's a moment of searching of like, do I just go ahead and do it the way I did even? And and that's where, I mean, I'm talking about me yeah, and yeah. my experience. Like I can, I can feel sometimes a miss coming in the shot. Now I don't, I don't have, I don't focus, I, I'm not focused on it, it's not happening because of some predetermined destiny that yeah. I know about or something like that. But no, it's like, if I take the first pair and something's not quite right about the the plan, and and I, but I got both birds, and I may do it on, I may do it again on the second pair, and it's feeling even a little less right. Yeah. I, As, I always related to a little bit more out of control. Yes. And I go to the third pair. Now, this isn't the point at which I say, oh boy, I, I think I'll probably miss one of these. I don't say something like that to myself. But when I then when I take the third pair and I do miss one of them, I mean, people that have shot with me can test. I'll turn around and I'll say, I felt that one coming. Yeah. Well, I felt that one coming. After the first, I, I after, yeah. after the first, if I didn't get control of this, of whatever I can't find right now, mm-hmm. 
it's going to cost me yes. one because I'm going to slide one direction because the shot that the, the pair that I just made a plan for and shot was not stable enough to, to have that plan hold up again. Yeah. Because it, it wasn't quite right. Yeah. And if I do it again, it's going to slough one direction. Maybe it sloughs the direction to getting better. Oh, okay. Well, it, it, it got better. Yeah. And I prop my brain will probably recognize what it was that got it better. And I'll do that last pair and it'll probably be ink ball, ink ball. Yeah. Right. That doesn't happen. That's not as recognizable to me when that happens. It happens as when it starts becoming more fragile. Yeah. You know, because that starts building a little more anxiety and you can kind of feel that coming. And then, you know, and if that sneaks in, it's hard to, it's hard. You're taking that little bit of time in between the shots. It's all you have to get that reined back in. Yeah. If you can do it, you know. It's really exciting for me to hear you talk about that because that's not a thing that you have accessible to you if you're more extraceptively based in your attentiveness, you know, and, and you're in, in the thing that you're choosing to consciously connect your attention to, if it's, if it's external, if it's extraceptive, you will not be able to feel that miss coming because you don't have the data available to you to even experience what the thing felt like. Mm. That's why for people that are listening, if you've ever had a lesson with me or with somebody else where after you shoot the pair, they turn you turn around and they say, did you feel how blah, 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 blah happened? And, and you, and you may say yes, but in your head, you're like, that felt exactly the same as every other shot I've taken. <laughs> I love that. You know? Yes. Oh yeah, I definitely, yes, yes. Coach, I totally felt the difference. Yes. In the back of your head, you're like, yeah, one broke, one didn't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, That's exactly. <laughs> and, and, uh, but what that is, is it's just where your attention is. Mm. And most people go through the whole round of a tournament and in practice and in lessons with it assigned to the wrong thing. Mm. There's a time and place for when we need to have it on, on an external thing. And that's mainly in practice, uh, or like in certain parts of, of the shot in a tournament, but and I would compartmentalize that to saying visually in a in a tournament we want our attention to be on the target, mm-hmm. um, but other than that we we want our proprioceptive feedback to be on internal movement. Well, and to, to clarify, during the actual shot, from you know my 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 little pre-shot to pull mm-hmm. and the second barrel going off. I'm not consciously thinking about how I feel. Yeah. I, I've pre-programmed it. I've made a plan. I'm going to do this. I'm going to move like this. It's the moment that the, sh- that the second, that the shot of the second barrel goes off that I log how I feel, how things looked, how I moved and process that. Yes. It, you know, that's, but- that's what we're, we're, and then taking that to my next to, to change or not change or things. It's not a consciousness in the shot. It's a consciousness of the shot. Yes. And, but that's where this gets so hard because there will be a lot of people listening to this that, that won't understand 
or have any relation to what you and I are talking about right now. Because going back to what I said earlier in, in the, this episode, which is the first part of, a, of that, f- the way we define a shot. And then the second part that includes the internal awareness. If the way that most people shoot, which is most people, and a lot of people very, or almost everybody early on in the game, if the way that you you are planning your shot revolves around being all visually based in terms of definitions of where to place the gun and how to see the connection, if your understanding of what you're wanting to do is how it should look in a bird barrel relationship, then you will be doing 50% of what Curtis just said, which is correct, which is that your his awareness is not on him in the shot and how he feels. His awareness is on the target. And then afterwards, he he moves it to, the, to hit him to make an assessment of the shot. That's correct. But you only have that data available to you after the shot if you're able to proprioceptively move by looking at the target and... and not driving your movement consciously because if the way that you're making the shot happen is by increasing your visual peripheral awareness and seeing synchronicity between your movement and the target as opposed to looking at the bird and allowing it to happen non-consciously and proprioceptively that's that proprioceptive feedback that we get that we can then assess after we pull the trigger for the second time but if we're doing it all based off of visual relationship even if we're looking at the bird but peripherally paying attention to the gun and we're making a conscious decision to go faster or slower or higher or lower, if that's how you're driving your movement, you won't be able to think about how you felt after the shot. No, you, because you're, you're consciously stepping on something that only the subconscious does. Yeah, you're, you're pulling stuff that should be done non-consciously into the conscious aspect and because it's conscious now it can only be one layer deep yeah and you can only have an awareness of one thing that consciousness Mm -hmm. right so it's like when we're taking a shot if we are not fully i don't want to say that we're not conscious of it because we are but if you have turned a lot of the shot over to the subconscious now and that you know, and that's a lot of the proprioceptive movement of the arms and the hands and the body, driven by the bird. You know that the eyes are are working well. You know, you have a consciousness of this shot. Yeah. But mostly, it's tied to the movement of the bird. It's a okay. the best way to to describe what you're saying is to is to predefine two things. Because really all it is that is hard, the reason why it's hard to say is just because as shooters, we kind of use one word for two thing, two things, and that's conscious. Mm-hmm. If we say that you have to be conscious of something, but not conscious of another thing, then that's where we get into a debate of somebody like me saying that I'm not consciously aware of the barrel when I'm looking at the bird and someone like Ben Hosswaith being able to say, how can you tell me that if you look at the target, you can't see the gun because him and I are both right. The difference is we are conscious of the shot, but we're paying attention to the bird Mm -hmm. and it's, and it's how much of the hard drive 
and the operating space of your conscious attention are you dedicating to a specific thing that you're trying to see mm-hmm. and and because that's how you heighten proprioceptive and there there are connection. shots there are shots that I will have a higher consciousness of where the barrel is yeah because I have to specifically place it it's this certain styles of shots I have to I have to more consciously specifically place the barrel where I want it to be or I'll lose it yeah in, in yeah. a way yeah so I mean don't think that there's not some level of consciousness to every aspect but if you if you put it all 100% and then talk about you know lead and you're consciously and you're adjusting yeah that's bad. in the middle of the shot and you're adjusting how can you te- how can you then be able to pay attention to how you are feeling and how you are moving and and that type of thing that's why yeah. we turn that over to the subconscious then when we ask ourselves to be conscious about it it's there for us to 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 access yeah yes yeah but that's very good yeah the it's all about attentiveness versus consciousness yeah and awareness you could add three things in there yeah it's the same thing as when we talk about focal points focal points are poorly defined by just using the word focal point it should be the xy location of center ocular like the central part of your vision is in is is at what point but you can separate focal point and center ocular from attention you can say my eyes are looking in one place but i'm paying attention to a different part of my vision consciously yeah if you're looking at, right now i'm looking at you know the string of a, a string on my guitar is where i'm looking but I'm paying attention to the lower right part of my peripheral vision that has the microphone that Curtis is talking into. And I'm looking at and thinking about that microphone, but the conscious part of my vision is on that part of my vision. It's so hard to describe, but I'm looking at another thing and that's that's the difference. It's the same thing where looking at a bird and paying attention to a target, but consciously being aware of the gun in peripheral is that and, and uh, in, in the reverse where the level of attention that you give the gun, the higher that attention goes up to the gun, the lower that proprioceptive feedback gets of your body because your body is now controlling, is being controlled more by your consciousness. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's walking, walking and having a serious conversation. Yeah. Right. You're walking along with your friend on the sidewalk and well, of course, we all know that one friend that that still manages to run into the pole on the sidewalk. But, <laughs> That'd be you know, and this person's maybe not right for shooting sporting place. <laughs> but you know, why is it that while you're while you're walking along, having a good conversation with your with your friend, and you step aside to m- miss the 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 pole that's on the sidewalk? you know, the light pole on the sidewalk and you don't really miss a beat in the conversation. The conversation is conscious, but you're walking and awareness of what's around you is basically subconscious for a brief moment. It's conscious that says to move, move to the side, you know, 
But that's what kind of what we're talking about is that that difference between and and the whole time you've been walking, and you haven't had to tell yourself right foot, left foot, right foot, left foot. Yeah, you know, you can just that's a, that's that's you you've programmed yourself to go ahead and walk. You know, pick up your feet. You know, you don't have to remind yourself every time you you have set up set yourself a plan to walk at a certain pace. Right. And you can go ahead and do that. Yeah. You know, you see something out of the, out of the corner of your eye. It's a, it's a, it's a light pole. You step to the side and it barely interrupts the conversation. If at all. For me, it's a mosquito flying in the air. Yeah. Yeah. It's for, for some people it can just be, you know, a a, a little glimmer, like shiny things. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Which brings me like, I don't know. I, I don't see, I don't see rings. On targets? Barely ever. Yeah. What I see are, I see, depending on lighting, I can see flashes like off of the rings Mm -hmm. because of the way that the light is hitting the target. Mm -hmm. But I'll tell you what, the light was so bad last Friday, it was just a milk, just like a a mud gray sky with all refracted light. You know, all the targets looked like, you know, they were 10 yards further than they were and going 10 10 miles an hour faster. If anybody says that they, oh, no matter what, I always see the rings on a target, they're full of shit. Yeah. Because that's just like, I see definition to target. I see the edge of the target. I see the shape of the target. Um, You know, I see the dome. I see the bottom. I I can tell you how much is showing and everything. And... And if the light hits it right, I can, yeah, and, and it's not very far away. Yes, I can see the rings. But it has more to do with the light hitting it right yeah. than it does with my X-ray Superman vision right. and focus on, on the target. Because for one, I don't actually need, I'm not shooting a ring. Right. I'm shooting the front edge of the target. I only, that's what I need to know where it is, or I'm shooting the center of the target, you know, that's, I, I need to know the location, not, you know, sometimes, yeah, that, I, sometimes I don't even know, sometimes I, I barely know whether or not it's black or orange. <laughs> if maybe the, you're colorblind well, too. No, if the light, if the light I is know, in it, a certain way, because for sometimes one, the, the orange looks so dark brown, it looks black. For, for one, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Whether the target's orange or black is not really in the program of me shooting that target. It's not like, oh, you know, orange targets, I use more lead on than black targets. Yeah. Or well, well, the black bl- targets or orange targets, I shoot right at. The orange targets way more. Yeah. Well, black targets go faster than orange ones. Yeah. No, it's nothing like that. It's like the front edge of the, the front edge of a black target is the same as the front edge of an orange target. You know? Yeah, for me that with the color blindness is it's that gets very weird. But um, well, and that's exactly, and in, in a way, that's exact proof, right? Well, do you is, remember what we did at OK Corral with your glasses? Oh yeah, you, yeah. That's that's some <laughs> that's some voodoo right there. <laughs> uh, like, let's do this because I need to I need to let Bella out. Okay, uh, but we'll do Take that. And and then I want to come back and I want to tell that story and talk about it. Yeah, let's talk about it because yeah. that's kind of cool. Yeah. Okay, let's do that. We'll pause and then cut and come back.
Okay, so not to give you guys a cliffhanger, but I'm going to give you guys a cliffhanger because this is just a really good place to cut the episode. We're already at a good length, and um, the, uh, the story that we tell is kind of really, really cool, um, and I guarantee you it goes against a lot of stuff that all of you have held <laughs> before I talk about the mind getting ahead of the brain. Um, the uh, it goes against a lot of the stuff that all of you have heard and held as fact uh, from articles and shooting instruction and other professionals and and even myself uh, information that I've disseminated over the years um, and only recently in the past one to three years have learned the um, the invalidity lack of validity I don't know really what the right phrase is there. Um, because it's late and I'm tired and my brain isn't working. But anyways, um, it's really cool. And it's definitely a story that you guys want to hear. And if you have the, uh, a lot of you will have the ability to try this out. And I, and I encourage you to because it's a really cool experience. But you're going to have to tune in to part two to listen to it. So for, that, uh, for now, I'm just going to leave it as that. Um, I uh, will remind you that um, I always do one or two YouTube live episodes every week where you can interact and engage with me on my uh, YouTube channel. On top of that, we also have a merch store. So you can go on the Journey Podcast website and check that out. You can buy cool shirts and hats and um, sweatshirts and a bunch of neat stuff. Um, and you can also, uh, if, if you have the ability to, I encourage you guys to subscribe to the YouTube channel. That way you get notifications and can interact in the YouTube lives and participate, uh, because it's really valuable to be able to do so. If you're just a passive observer, um, during these, uh, YouTube videos, you don't really get a chance to ask questions and interact and engage with me and the other people on there. And I really love the community of all of you guys that is being built right now. And so I'm, I would encourage all of you to participate in that. So anyways, we'll leave it there and look forward to part two of this uh, interview coming out later on this week. Thank you so much, guys. Uh, enjoy the hopefully nice weather that you're having and the lack of tornadoes if you're in my area. And um I will hear, uh, I'll, I'll see you guys on YouTube Live this Wednesday night, um, and you'll hear me on the next episode, uh, possibly even before that. I might do two days back-to-back of release recorded episodes. Boy, that's going to be way in overachieving, overachieving my uh, productivity levels for this podcast, so we'll see if we can do that. No promises, man. I'm not going to, I'm not promising nothing. <laughs> Anyways, all right, thanks, guys. We will talk to you later. Adios.